0: This is the You Winning Life Podcast, your number one source for mastering a positive existence. Each episode, we'll be interviewing exceptional people, giving you empowering insights, and guiding you to extraordinary outcomes. Learn from specialists in the worlds of integrative and natural wellness, spirituality, psychology, and entrepreneurship,
1: so you, too, can be winning
0: life. Now, here's your host, licensed marriage and family therapist, certified neuroemotional Technique practitioner and certified entrepreneur coach, Jason Wasser.
1: So as you know, the many reasons why I love having this podcast is not only do I get to bring all this really incredible conversations to you, the listeners, to people in the community that will wildly benefit from the conversations, the insight, the experience that our listeners have, but every once in a while you come across someone who is so incredibly passionate about what they do. That it just is a really awesome reminder for me about why I'm so blessed to have this platform. And today's guest is one of those people. Her name is Heather Fortner. She is the CEO, partner, chief executive officer of Signature FD, which is a incredible financial planning organization who has a vision and mission to impact the lives of 10,000 families. And she completely believes in a coach with empathy leadership style. And she leverages her unique ability to harmonize people's passions and talents, to build teams, lead organizations that deliver excellent and inspiring client experiences. This is a person who has started off as chief compliance officer, then moved into the president and then now is the chief operating officer, has navigated being a person in the field starting from scratch and working their way up a system. And fighting the good fight of being in a male-dominated business and becoming the 2022 most admired CEO by the Atlanta Business Chronicle. She holds a bachelor's in finance from Kennesaw State University and a master's in Georgia State University, which we're going to talk about. I'm not going to ruin the surprise, but it's not in the field that you think. She's an investment advisor and she is a graduate of the Schwab Executive Leadership Program and the G2 Institute. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this conversation. And as always, please do me a favor. If you haven't yet reached out to me, I, I would love to know who you are. If you're listening to this, I know there's tons and tons of people listening to the episodes every week. I would personally love for you to reach out to me. So simple. Either find me on Instagram, Jason Wasser LMFT or the you winning life or directly on Facebook. Um, email also Jason at the family room SFL.com. I would love to know who you are. One of the things that we're actually starting to plan for maybe in the end of 2022 or early 2023 is a retreat. Um, and maybe even bringing some of the guests from our previous podcasts, but a mind-body integrative retreat that also tackles mindset, business, personal growth, and development. So I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested in that, and as always, obviously, please leave a positive comment on iTunes. And without further ado, here's Heather. All right, y'all. Welcome back. So of course, I had it like the y'all just came out because I'm hanging out with with a new friend <laughs> in, in, in Atlanta, Georgia, my old my old little stomping ground for a little bit after. I don't know, Heather, if you knew this, but I lived uh, for a year. I lived in Sandy Springs. Oh, there and, you go. Uh, yeah, I stumbled upon it. I was invited out for a wedding and then I was out at a wedding and I got invited to be a youth director at this really awesome uh, synagogue in uh, in Sandy Springs, like sight unseen, offer me a job and move there. Loved it. Love the community. I'm still in touch yeah. with. A lot of people there and it's uh, one of the reasons why over the pandemic as I went fully virtual I got licensed in Georgia so now I'm seeing therapy clients there in addition to my coaching clients but um, I, you know I, there's an intro that was already about you but like I want to skip the intro because they already heard sure. that it was very generic but let's just do a quick uh, backtrack of your present title and the titles you've held mm-hmm. just since you started so So everybody listening can get kind of a a flow of of the gravitas of of this conversation that's about to happen.
0: Yeah, thank you. How long do we have? I mean, the, the funny part about my career, so I will have been at Signature FD, it'll be 20 years in February. And I don't think other than the very first role that I had, that any of the other roles existed before I came to the firm. And that was just, I think, part of being on the ground floor of a high growth firm. Uh, we were about $250 million in assets under management when I joined. We are almost $7 billion in assets now. I think I was number six or seven, a team member, and we're about 100 people now. So I went from, I, I kind of... Had two dual paths through the organization. So when I joined in 2003, I joined as a client service. It it was something that I I just wanted in the door, and I knew how to do that role. And I thought, well, you know, I'll I'll take that and see where it goes. It just so happened that in 2004, the SEC, which is the body that we're regulated by basically said for everybody in our industry, you have to have a chief compliance officer. Mm-hmm. And nobody was really, I have to be honest, like super excited unless you like a securities attorney about that role. And so I just kind of raised my hand and said, you know what, I'll do that. It, you know, you send me to whatever training I need to go to, I'll raise my hand, do that. So I was the chief compliance officer for 15 years. Wow. At the same time, that I helped build the operational platform of the firm. So I went from a client service associate to a client and employee relations director, which I think is an awesome title that I totally created. And then to a director of operations, then to a chief operating officer, then to president, and now to CEO.
1: And the cool thing is that people don't know yet is that your master's degree has nothing to do
0: <laughs> so with any that of the finance world. That's an awesome thing, right? So my undergrad degree, which it took me forever to get because I was actually a pre-med major when I started school, ended up with a, a bachelor's in finance and then realized that I really missed the helping professions. And... That if I wasn't going to go to med school, one of the ways that I could help was in counseling and therapy and went and got my graduate degree at night, which was funny because I went to the founding partners and I was like, hey, so I want to go. I want to utilize this benefit that we have to get my education paid for. And they're like, oh, OK, so you're going to get a graduate degree in finance or tax. SBI, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, no. So there's this thing. <laughs> and it's called professional counseling, and they're like, what? And I just had realized the value in my own life of being able to combine basic financial literacy with the ability and the art of communication. And, you know, I I tell people all the time I experienced growing up in my family, we, we just didn't have a lot. And I really think that there can be tension around money if you have it or if you don't. They're different issues, but they're all issues and they require money is the thing that touches everybody. We all have to deal with it in order to function in today's society. And and. I don't understand why it's a skill that we don't teach. And so you're expected to go and operate in this world that's driven by this tool and you get no formal training in how to use it. So I really uh, felt like being able to combine when you're working with clients, if you could combine that educational aspect of, of money and literacy and how it is a tool and it doesn't have to control you, you can control it. And you can do all these amazing things with it with an art and an ability and a skill to communicate well around it. Because the reality is that we all come with baggage around sure. it. And your viewpoints are different than my viewpoints. And your experiences are different than my experiences. And they probably trigger something in both of us. If we can you know, talk about that well, how much more healthy would families be? How much more healthy... Would our community be? How much more healthy would our world be if if somebody could lean in there? So I was like, yeah. So I have this vision. Here's here's what I want to do, and they were like, you know what? You go ahead. Go ahead. Like go go get that. Degree. And then when I finally completed it, realized, which I I honestly I can't say that I knew going into it, but I realized that the value of that combination. Uh, from a business perspective in working with teams of people and the organization itself was immense. It was just immense. And so I never quite made it into the actual clinical setting because I was like, you know what? I'm actually utilizing all of these skills on a daily basis in the corporate setting. And I love what I'm doing. So I was just very blessed.
1: Well, that's what I find so fascinating because my side of the journey is the exact opposite, right? I grew up in the nonprofit world, both as a kid going to different nonprofit programs and right, having scholarships through that through my fi- you know family's financial struggles, and uh, then going off and living in Israel, and then coming back and working in a nonprofit educational environment. So I really thought that was going to be my entire career, and I went into becoming a therapist with a nonprofit mindset. That in order to do good, it kind of might be at Mm -hmm. odds about having financial sustainability and security, especially since I grew up here in South Florida, where the people I met who did have the financial stability and security weren't always the nicest people. Right. Sure. And, and, you know, there were scholarships and stuff that I was accessible to, but I didn't know where those came from because those are the people sure. that were anonymous with all of that sure. stuff or it was behind the scenes. So a lot of my unpackaging around money and finance and uh, even business as a person who my family is a third generation furniture business. Um, I on purpose didn't go into it
0: mm-hmm. because
1: of that mindset and other family conflicts. And now my brother and sister have taken it over and it's grown exponentially. But it's interesting that, it took me years. It was only like 10 years ago, eight, nine years ago where a buddy of mine who's a chiropractor convinced me to go to this entrepreneur business mm-hmm. program. And I'm like, but I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not a business owner. I'm a therapist. And I'm like, but you have a business and you're charging people. And whether it's insurance or cash, so that whole mindset, I realized now years later, how embedded financial, philosophies of lack or i can't do this or i can't charge this or right the struggle that a lot of helping professions have that it's coming from a place of i can't be liquid or i can't be have yeah. asset management and i can't have properties and and i'm seeing people just leave fields because they're struggling in one and have to go to entirely to a different one because they've never figured out the both end mm-hmm. so i'm wondering there's, like
0: there's there's this belief Um, sometimes that we carry that, that being profitable is bad, you know, and, and, and that's not true because the reality is that it requires profit to do good. And Mm -hmm. so there's, um, there's so much to unpack in what you just said, but if you extrapolate out the belief that the label doesn't define you. Yeah, like Your experiences, they are a part of you and they, they shape perspectives and they shape beliefs and they shape how you see things, but they do not have to define. And yeah. so, you know, I think that's just been one of the most powerful realizations that I've been blessed to come to over the course of, of, my career, which is, you know, I was that girl. I was that girl that turned down a full scholarship because I didn't know any better. And I just didn't want to go to that school because I didn't like Atlanta and, and, you know, we didn't live here and my dad had got transferred and I didn't want to see all these people with the same school. And so I turned down a full ride. Yeah. And then took six years to get through, you know, three other schools to get my degree that I was working to pay for at night. And came out with a ton of student debt that you know I didn't have to carry, um, and then you know just kind of worked my way up. I wasn't like the most credentialed person in the world. I didn't know the plan from the start. I didn't have all the acronyms behind my name. And I was a girl, right? I am a girl. And, and so being in this male dominated industry, sitting in that room, I I remember specifically the comments of, you're not, you're not even a professional, (laughs) you know, and, and those things could have defined me, right? I remember, I remember the, the feelings and the thoughts and the, Oh my gosh! Like I, I don't belong here. Like I I sh- I I don't even know how I got here. What am I gonna do here? And the reality is that in those moments, you can either let other people's issues and other people's comments and other people's labels define you, or you can choose to define yourself. And that was for me just the freeing moment of realizing that my future—it was my response.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you and, think of, and that opens up the world.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously going into this environment where right majority of the people, like you said, were were male dominated. Do you think this is a a regional thing as much as it is just like a, a like, you know, 20 years ago, 20, when, when you first started or so, was that like, is that a Southern thing? Is that a, is it, was this like a, just a, a global, I mean, we know the industry as a whole is very male dominated, but yeah. do you think that there was extra things that being in the South or being, you know, in, you know, even though Atlanta is a major metro city with everything that, right, it's an amazing, amazing city, do you think there was extra things that were tacked onto that because of where this was located, or do you think Oh, sure, I I,
0: I, I absolutely think that I I, I still, to this day, even when I travel places, like people comment on my accent you know, and it's it's one of those things, like I, I do think there's a stereotype of women in the South and I do think that you know, the good old boys club i know it exists here i'm sure it exists everywhere else too it probably looks different and mm-hmm. it probably manifests itself differently but it is a thing and there was a uh, real power for me and and you know i've spent a lot of time thinking about this specifically as we've thought about the diversity equity and inclusion conversation like there is a power in simply being able to acknowledge the truth that's in the brain. Yeah, It doesn't mean that it has to be hateful and it doesn't mean that it has to be unkind or that or that it it limits anything, but there is a there is there is power in simply being able to acknowledge this is a thing this is my reality. It does not diminish my hope. It does not diminish my, my authority or my power in the situation as a human, but it is a real thing that I'm facing. And then when you call it out and you date it for what it is, it seems to take some of the wind out of its sails.
1: Sure. Well, what do you think some of the tools are? Cause I see this and I just had two very distinct conversations about this topic with a buddy of mine who, um, is a partner in a major law firm and a friend of mine who's a female rabbi and she was like in the, mm. in, the, in the 90s in the 80s and 90s she's like we didn't even know what a microaggression was in order to even call it out right and you know <laughs> stuff that was said to her as a female versus being a I'm male sure. clergy right was just like I've never kissed a rabbi before <laughs> right Like, you don't say right? you don't, you're not gonna <laughs> say that to a priest you're not gonna say like <laughs> you know like or a male yeah. right there, there was so many and she's like we didn't even know the term microaggressions then and and uh, this person was saying how it was, it would usually be the spouse of the man who said that to be like, I can't believe he said that. Don't listen to him. He's so stupid. Right. And then try to like sideways call him out, mm-hmm. but there wasn't always a lesson learned. And when did you when did you start noticing like whether it was people who are allies, whether it was right the DEI stuff? Uh, when did you start seeing people in your career in your influence starting to get it to start actually not just like okay, this is a thing we need to do this because there's government regulation or this is becoming the thing in the industry and we're going to roll our eyes at it and just put up with it? It's kind of like the harassment stuff mm-hmm. of the '80s, right, <laughs> um, and the '90s and today.
0: I was about to say uh, uh, hits radio. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Right. It's, it's its own radio channel. The 80, the greatest hits of 80s, 90s and today <laughs> harassment doesn't stop. So, um, right, when did you see, when did you see or notice one allyship? people, not just like giving it like, okay, yeah, great. I'll tolerate it. But buying in and two, like, when did you start seeing other people who maybe would have previously, I wouldn't say offenders, but maybe not even non-conscious offenders be participating in it, like start to shift and change and move over to the proper side of doing yeah, things.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a great question. Um, I think it was when I had the courage to address it for myself. Mm-hmm. It's like when you go to buy a car, right? You don't know that that model's out there until you decide you want that car. And then you see that car every, and I recently wrote an article. Inc that was about my experience specifically around racial injustice. And in 2020, I remember I'd literally just been named president of the organization. And I was moving, it was June 1st. We were moving our home in the middle of COVID. I literally the movers were moving in boxes, and I got this text on my phone that was like, hey, you need to check and i sat down on the stair and it was like there were all these emails going back and forth in the organization about what our team members of color were experiencing here in atlanta because there were just i mean the the racial tensions were off the chart high Right, right and after having moved through that experience of oh my god like this is going to be my responsibility to respond to and address, and I I don't know what I'm doing. Like after there's that that moment, you know, there was this this time frame of processing what was happening, and the reality was that I I was aware, I I wasn't stupid. I I knew what was happening. I was completely privileged in the fact that I didn't have to engage in the conversation. It was not, it was not something that I had to do. And by choosing to step into that conversation, because all of a sudden now it wasn't a choice. I had to do it and, and I had to do it because I wanted to be a good leader And I recognized that I didn't even know how to be a good leader in that situation because I was uneducated. And so for me, there was this moment of, I'm gonna take a minute and I'm gonna get myself educated about what's happening here so that I can even speak with intelligence Mm -hmm. into the matter. I gotta figure out me first, right? And so to your question, when did things start to shift? When did the conversation start to open up? when it's when you take responsibility for helping in a positive way to bring that conversation to the floor? and and there was an enormous amount. I needed grace from people that were in our organization, from friends that I had to to say, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know that you were hurting mm. much less that I needed you needed me to speak into this as as your leader or as your friend. Like first of all, please forgive me. Second of all, please educate. Me. Please help me understand what it is that you're feeling, what it is that you're seeing, why do you feel this way? Like help me, may I have permission to ask the hard questions that You know, I don't mean to offend. I don't want to offend. I want to understand, right? Right. And so creating, openly asking for that space to, that safe place to have the real honest dialogue, I, I tell you, people, if I believe that people want that space, they want to understand things that they haven't before that their intentions are good and that our job as leaders is to create that safe space for people to lean into. It's not my job to have the answers. It's not my job to facilitate the conversation. It's not my job to be sure that everybody's comfortable. It is my job to create a safe place for that learning and that education.
1: And that's kudos definitely to you and your clinical background, right? And and it's so interesting you say that because you, you can, I mean, knowing that you're, I mean, just so people can understand how many miles you are away probably from a lot of the stuff that was, I mean, it was, right, it was five points. It was the, you know, Buckhead. It was my, not even, right, not even three yeah. to five miles yeah. from where you're, yeah, where you're located even. right now not on even. this call. Right. Not even. Right. So it's not like this is like... 30 50 100 miles 500 miles away no, this is this, this is, is in our backyard right this is this is a jog away right. from your office and 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 i know that like it's so interesting how again we're, we're we're now in in the end of july of 2022 and the polarization is is just at its i mean of course it's going to get worse because this is just trickle it's just the way it, it inertia moves and to just be able to have those pausing conversations and i and i love it i do have friends in atlanta that are definitely Politically very different than me, and it's great because we can just pull out a scotch and have a conversation about policy. and We'll joke, we'll 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 jab each other with other stuff, but it's more about policy than politics. And when you can have those type of people in your life, it's great, even if you don't end up agreeing. But at least it's like, let me hear you, let me try to understand. But I think, like, like, how do you? I mean, in corporate America, especially, it's. I mean, the diversity is growing, the diversity is getting there, but there's still that. Obviously it's, it's an exponential growth to what it used to be, but you...
0: let me tell you why I think yeah. it mattered and why for me, I felt the responsibility that this was a conversation we had to have. So one, we're in the community, like this is our backyard, right? And, and I do believe that as citizens of the community, we all have a responsibility. I, I believe that whether it's the small microcosm of our organization, as good citizens of Signature FD, we all have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Culture is not not driven by one person, right? It is all of us circling around our core values and holding each other accountable day to day to the adherence to those core values. And we have those very clearly outlined. But our brand promise is net worthwhile. And, and for me, as I was processing through this concept of net worthwhile, which is really the moment, the space where a person's wealth, their time, their energy, their resources, their treasures, it overlaps with the thing in their life that they find worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And in that sweet spot where you're where you are mobilizing and integrating and activating your true wealth for the purpose of, of achieving and pursuing your personal worthwhile, those things that you find. For me, there was this realization and this question of net worthwhile, it is about the individual it is about it is not something that we as an organization or as advisors are defining for for an, an individual it is something that they're bringing to us that we are helping to uncover that we are helping to build around so that whatever it is that's worthwhile to you we can help you mobilize your resources in pursuit of those things and so to me it was how can we stand here and say that racial injustice doesn't matter, the conversation around this doesn't matter, or the conversation around microaggressions doesn't matter, or the conversation around inclusion in our organization doesn't matter, because guess what? If we say it doesn't matter internally, then we will never live up to the brand promise that we want to deliver to our client. And so guess what team? We have to get it right internally so that we can be the change in our community, our backyard. Like I'm not focused on national. I'm not focused on global. I am focused on like this four rating four mile radius block in Atlanta. Like this is home and we're going to own home. And so for me it was, and and maybe it is, you know, part of just who I am. Maybe it's part of my, my training, but I don't sit with with the unresolved truth and the hard conversations well. I want to get in there and I want to just work towards the betterment. I don't have to have a resolution. I don't have to have the answers, but by God, we are gonna have the conversation. And so I think it's just, I have been so humbled and so bettered as a human, for the way that these people have leaned into that conversation with me Um, and i believe that that is what will continue to drive some of our success in the community because guess what i know there are like-minded people that that want to join with what we're doing yeah
1: well if you underline everything you're saying as far as like role models at any level whether it's business, non-business, corporate, non-corporate. It's, it's the word leadership is embedded in everything. What every field I think is some level of leadership, right? If you're a small business owner, it's to right. You have to make your money, but you want to like do something. You're providing a service for the community. And the, the idea of leadership being the core, I don't want to call it a core value, but it's a core pathway. To, to helping people achieve what they need to achieve. It's a forgotten thing. Cause we, we throw it out there. I was like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's like the Lululemon. I, feel, I always, I feel bad. Everybody who, who listens to my episodes, they always hear me knocking on Lululemon as like just a generic term of like, you yeah, know, put on Lululemon pants and now you're a yogi. And I feel bad cause I think it's a great company, but like, I just, that's the first thing that comes to my head. But it's like, it's a generic term that that we that we use but what does it now mean like now we're talking like again tying back into politics or talking into like even in a the therapy setting it's like what's my job my job isn't necessarily to lead it's to create the space for me to ask a multiverse of questions from different perspectives to push buttons and to flip you upside down and and, and shake you a little bit and see what coins fall out of your pocket that's
0: right i like to call it relentless curiosity mm-hmm you know, it is this, it is this just pursuit of, man, I, I have all these questions, you know, can you please, can you please give me some time and some grace to just be relentlessly curious together? Because quite frankly, like it doesn't, it doesn't do me a whole lot of good to be relentlessly curious by myself. I'm still depends, as stupid
1: as I was before. Bro. Depends. Depends what books are in front of you and what podcast, right. right? So, but I I agree with you because it's it's. I tell this to my clients all the time. It's and I had this yesterday with one of my couples. I'm like, the idea of one grace, right? Of being patient. Of of not assuming that the person next to you. Is really oh my god, that their intent
0: is bad.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> or or that they're born. I mean, the whole idea of like, you know, this original sin thing of like they're they're you know, so therefore they're they're here to screw you up on purpose is a whole different philosophical conversation. But, you know, I talk about that as a therapeutic paradigm of like you know, I get to joke, i come like, Jewish. We don't have original sin, So like, we don't look at things that way. Like, I mean, we have different type of guilt. So, you know, but, um, but the idea of like original, you know, this concept of like stepping into something with the perspective. And I really do break it into exactly what you said. You can either be a judge, jury, and executioner, or you can be a, an investigative reporter. Exactly right. And I will have conversation after conversation with my clients and just say, so which one of those two roles did you just come from with what you just said? And they laugh and they, oh, okay, crap. I just did that again. Mm -hmm. So right, it is muscle memory. It is is. getting unstuck from that because we do, our our, our neurological brain is four times as likely to focus on negative than positive, right? That's That's survival instincts. But it is muscle memory training in the positive way too to like, okay, I caught myself. Can we laugh about it? Can we be gentle? Can we give ourselves grace? And then flip the script and be like, so what I meant to say was, what I meant to ask was, and then I still find it over and over again. I'm sure you've seen this, where they'll do that, and then they'll still go back into the default, and of you're course. still doing it this way, or you of know. The, so of course, I, I think the, um,
0: you know, the super interesting part about all of that is that sometimes we just fail to realize everything that you just said. The muscle memory, the skill, we are empowered. To change, like we have the power. I remember the moment. Um, so I've been married before. I remember the moment I was, I mean, it was just a bad situation. And divorce is just not, it was not, that was not in my plan. I have to be super honest with you. There were two things that happened in my life that were not in the plan. One was to become a chief compliance officer and two was to get divorced. Like those two things, they just never figured into the cards.
1: But two of the best things ever happened.
0: <laughs> and in that moment, I remember when that decision, oh my God, you know, the tears immediately turned off. I picked up my purse. I left the room. I went to my truck and I thought, guess what? I have the power, Yeah. right? Like Heather, your life, how your life chooses to go from here, it is no one else's responsibility. Not one. You, there's a lot of crap in the rear view mirror. Like there is stuff that you couldn't control. There are situations that were not your fault. There were things that happened that you wish had not happened. You made a bunch of stuff. Stupid choices. Like there's all right. that
1: you can't stuff. play that country song backwards right now. Right? right, like
0: you just can't. I mean, and I was sitting in the truck. Let's be real. I'm driving a truck at this point, mom.
1: Well, that already told me why you were going to succeed because it wasn't like <laughs> I got in my car. I got in my truck.
0: No, I got in the truck, and it was it was one of those moments. I mean, it was a defining moment of my life. Where if this girl, from here on out, have no regrets. If I screw it up, at least it's going to be my screw up. If I don't get it right, if I do get it right, if I, you know, whatever it is, good, bad, indifferent, ugly, whatever, I am empowered to have the responsibility for myself. I can't control anybody else, but what I can control is myself. And I tell my five-year-old daughter that all the time. I'm like, hey girl, you're the boss of you. Like all these choices that you get to make. You're the boss of you. You get to decide. I can't do that for you. But there are consequences either way. There are good consequences. There are bad consequences. And so I have just in that moment leaned into, I'm going to own my future. Good, bad, ugly, pretty, whatever it is, I will live with no regret. And so bringing that mentality and that lesson into this space where I want every other human that I come into contact with to feel that same empowerment, Mm. to recognize that you want change to happen in your community. You want your business to be successful. You want to make a change and you guess what? It's okay. You can do it. Now it's going to take a quality network around you. It's going to take good coaches and good therapists and good network and good friends and good partners and good, all of these things that you need to be intentional about building around yourself. But man, the choices that we have, that we have in this country that other, you know, other countries don't have, like don't lose sight of that. Correct.
1: The theme that you just talked about, I've been talking about a lot with my clients is we don't have to make the things that are so difficult in our lives. So difficult.
0: No, we don't. Right. There is elegant simplicity
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> and
0: it is a beautiful mm-hmm.
1: thing. One of my favorite quotes that I got from my coach is the Oliver Wendell Holmes quote, which is, um, right, I wouldn't, it goes, uh, basically it's, in, in, in paraphrase, it's right, Live have a life of simplicity on the far side of complexity, right? Okay. But it's like, right, I, I wouldn't give, I wouldn't give a fig for, for complexity on the far side of simplicity, but I give my entire life for simplicity on the far side of complexity. And every everything just, every problem that we have every struggle that we have every challenge we have there's 14 different ways that can be solved way easier exactly because right. right exactly to the reasons you said find your resources find your tools find your team I have, I have one of my clients who um, who's under who's the entrepreneur space and um, really cool you know just really incredible journey over the last couple of years since we've been working together. And I know that through our journey, like, we, we started resourcing instead of, like, him having to hire all these people. I'm like, well, let's just find three or four people in different worlds on podcasts and YouTube videos. And now anytime we have a issue that we need to solve, we assemble his dream team, his board of directors, right? Whether it's Oprah or or Brene Brown or Tony Robbins or anybody in, like, you know, yeah. Gary V or whoever, right? yeah. And, and yeah. I'm like, we, we just do, like, a roll call. Okay, so... <laughs> what, would, what, what would what would what uh, would what would Brene Brown say to you right now? Man, I just yeah. I just I just haven't I, I just need to I just need to be compassionate and be more vulnerable. Which she's
0: and, amazing, by right? Way. <laughs> right? Right?
1: I know. So
0: she's like my hero, by the way. <laughs>
1: She's a lot of people's spirit animal these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they need to be more people's spirit animal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. But that's it's like, but that costs nothing except an investment into creating. You didn't have to go to conferences and buy a thousand books and do training programs and masterminds. And it's committing your time, effort, and energy to find, Like, and I, and I really love that's why this podcast has evolved into the four platforms of what I think people need for a successful life, which is the psychology side, integrative and alternative medicine. Mind, you know, the, with mind body stuff, right. Spirituality as it means to the person, however that shows up and the lens of entrepreneurship, that's it, right. You master those four areas. You're going to have a pretty darn good life and you don't have to, you know, I mean, like whatever you, you know, it's, it's, you, we don't have to know those people or spend $10,000 to have a mastermind with them.
0: No, not at all. You don't. And, and I, you know, one of the things my coach, which it's so funny that the concept of coaching and therapist and whatever, it's like, mm-hmm. let's be real. What you're doing is you're paying somebody to kick your ass yeah, and then kick the you up off of the floor, dust <clears throat> you off and send you right back out there. Right? Like that's what I pay people to do. And it's so beneficial. Let's yeah. be real. But one of the tools that he has challenged to use is, hey, listen, any obstacle or opportunity or challenge you are facing. The very first thing you have to do, Heather, is you have to come up with six ways, six completely different ways that you could solve for this. Absolutely. Yeah. And that process alone, right? Exactly to your point of you, you remove this emotional component of feeling like you have to react in the moment. You set it on the table and you gain some clarity and some space around innovative thinking, which your term entrepreneurship to me is the same thing as innovation, mm-hmm. right? I just want to be outside of the box. I want to think creatively. I don't want to be tied back to our original start to this conversation. I don't want to be tied by all of these labels that people have thrown at me my whole life. You're not a professional. You're not this. You don't have the designations. You're not that, whatever, whatever. I'm not going to be constrained by all of that. That's their Mm -hmm. stuff, right? (laughs) That's all about them, not about me. And so how do I lean into, in my life, creating those spaces for me to be in, for me to be an entrepreneur, for me to create solutions that will work for my ideal outcome. And then how do I get as close to that ideal as possible? right? Like I'm probably not going to get all the way there, but by God, you better believe I am going to get as many resources that I can possibly get my hands on at work (laughs) to get to that ideal outcome.
1: Exactly. Well, and that's the meaningful, that's the meaningful side of it. Esther Hicks and the law of attraction world says you're never going to get it all done and you're never going to get it all right. But going back to what you just said is that the, what is the the beauty or the, the, the recipe of that is how do you do it? It's based on the core values that you proactively decide that for me, it's like, I'm such an emotional person by default that what I've loved about the lens and the psychology of entrepreneurship is that it's allow me to counterbalance so I can find different filters in which to solve problems. Right. And and I know that like I'm going to be emotionally compelled to be doing X, Y, and Z or not doing X, Y, and Z. But when I look at it through a lens of core values and it becomes a binary yes or no, it doesn't become an emotional decision. It becomes an intellectual decision. So And for the other side of the coin, for people who are just like ones and zeros and it's all binary for them and to lean into the other side of The mind-body stuff and coaching and therapy and leadership growth and and all those and thought leadership stuff, that counterbalances that as well. And and it's really interesting when you said and yeah,
0: and all of that is the core of of DE and I, which is Mm. more perspectives at the table create a better outcome. Yeah, like that's what you're doing. You're you're creating that for yourself and then you see the benefit of it and you're like oh my god i can't help but share that i can't help but want to create that in these organizations that i'm leading or in my own community or where wherever it may be that you spend your time because ultimately you have now recognized the value that comes right in in thinking about things different ways having those different perspectives at the table creating really those networks that Speak truth and love into your world. Like, if we could just be kind, it's amazing how the world might change.
1: Yeah, what an amazing place to pause. Because knowing us, there's 42 different topics we can (laughs) tap into. But to you all day. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's it's thankfully it's it's. That's it. I mean, this is this is you just hit it, right? And 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 I do want to end with that. It's it's the kindness that is, you know, we're we're going through a very ugly puberty stage in our country. That's the best I way I can describe it. It's just a I really agree. awkward, pimply, gross, smelly, sweaty, burping, farting puberty yep. stage. I agree. Uh, stuff needs to be, you know, cleaned up a lot. We need some minoxidil. <laughs> 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 Oxyclean. Need
0: some clear cell pads. We need some clear <laughs> <laughs> so pads.
1: So. So to get off some, but um, <laughs> but it's a we we're a work in progress, and and it's not not justifying and and giving excuses to anything. We all every every side, every person has their work to be done, and it's cut out That's for right. us. And That's exactly, right. and and I and I couldn't agree with you more. That kindness is, it's it, it's it, and 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 of you course. know to quote to quote a to quote a a neighbor of yours. Um, well, I, I will call. I'll, I'll I'll call. I'll say that he's uh Sarah Blakely's husband, as opposed to. Ah the other way around. So Jesse yeah. Itzler, right. Who is <laughs> the co-owner of your, your local Atlanta Hawks team. Yeah. One of his favorite, and I'm, I'm one of, I'm in one of his masterminds. He has this quote. He's like, I haven't come this far to only go this far. And and I feel okay. that, right. I see that with, with the diversity and, and inclusion stuff. I see it with what's going on politically. I see what's going like where it's, it's with our own personal growth. We haven't come this far to only get this far. So That's the right. fact that we have to keep talking, keep dialoguing, keep meeting with people who are not us listening to other things. I joke. I'm like, I'm like, i listen to people on the far opposite the political spectrum and i'll you know their instagram videos and their youtube videos and their tiktok videos and i'll listen to everything as long as it's clearly not
0: sure you know
1: stupid sure. extremism but sure. Sure. i want to know i want to know i want to talk to those people so i, I, I think the kindness is is, is key and you were incredibly kind to find the time for us today and I thank you for dealing want... with my oh.
0: crazy and the fact that i i look um well you know whatever. Yeah. It's, it's just good. what it is. Jason, like, not, take, me or, a, take me or leave me. I tell people all the time. That,
1: wasn't that a I rent am, song? Was that, that was rent? Love me or leave me. Was <laughs> that Love me, baby, or leave me. Yeah, that was I rent. I
0: tell oh. people yeah. all the time. I am not a fine wine. I am an aged scotch. I burn going down no matter what. You either like it or you don't. That is to me. <laughs> so, so
1: you're, so you're a Talisker storm. So it's, it's the <laughs> sweet, the smoky, and the peaty all at once. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: that is me. I just come to own it and
1: live in this space. Love it. Love it. Love it. Good. So I'll definitely be honored to have you back again. We can pick up much more of this. That sounds great. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the You Winning Life podcast. If you are ready to minimize
0: your personal and professional struggles and maximize your potential, we would love it if you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at You Winning Life.